142nd uh, chapter of Psalms. Um, and th what I'm going to share tonight, I, I, I shared a little bit of this um, a few weeks ago in our prayer service as a little devotional. But, uh, you know, yesterday, uh, yesterday or Monday, actually Monday, I got back into this psalm and uh, began to do some studying in this psalm, meditating in it, and the Lord just laid this upon my heart to share with, with, the, uh, with you here tonight on Wednesday evening and, and next Wednesday as well. And it may be a three-parter. I don't know. We'll just see. But I want to lay a little foundation tonight. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight on the subject, on the thought of how to behave in a cave. How to behave in a cave. And somebody would say, well, where, you know, what are you talking about? Well, if you'll notice at the, the heading of Psalm 142 in my Bible and most Bibles that I have and hopefully in yours as well, it's, it, the heading of this psalm is a contemplation of David a prayer when he was in the cave. Does your Bible say that? A prayer when he was in the cave. So this tells us uh, when David penned this psalm and a little bit about the situation that he was in when he penned this psalm. He was in a cave. And so I want to talk to you tonight on a little bit about the cave experience and how we are to behave when we're in the cave because how you behave in the cave is going to determine whether you come out of the cave or not, all right? So in Psalm 142, I'm going to read the whole psalm because it's only seven verses. So let's read it tonight together and they've got it on the screen. And David said this, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Man, can you kind of see the direction he's going? Anybody ever been there? I think we all have. No one cares for my soul. But I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Amen. Father, bless your, your, your word tonight. Let the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon us this evening. Open our hearts to receive what you have for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm date myself a little bit, of course. Everybody knows, because uh, I've said this before, that I am a dinosaur, all right? And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, before the days, and I think pretty much everybody here tonight will be able to relate to this, but before the days, how many remember the days before digital photography? 
and before uh, all, you carried your camera around with you in your pocket all the time, and you got a camera, and you got a video camera, and everything else here. You, you all remember the days before all that, right? Some of our young people don't. But, um, but anyway, in those days, before digital photography, we actually took pictures with a device called an actual camera. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and there was something that you took and you put inside that camera that was called film. Of course, then, you know, they still make cameras today. I have a camera. I don't use it much, but I have one. And uh, you, then, you know, instead of film, you would put an SD card in there and uh, take pictures on that SD card. Of course, that's digital photography. But, but we would actually take, in the dinosaur days, a thing called film and put it in the camera. I remember the, little, the Kodak 110s, they called them, and had the little plastic film thing you would buy and put it in there. And then when you were done, you took it out and you would take it to um, somewhere, Walgreens or Walmart or to a kiosk somewhere and drop it off. And they would do something with that film. And it was called, you would, you would be getting your, your film developed. All right, are you with me? And uh, so that film had to be de developed. Now, I don't know if y'all knew anything about developing film. I did a little bit of that. And it, we, we had a project to, do, to deal with a little bit of that back in grade school. I remember my cousin at one time worked in a place up close in Des Plaines, Illinois, where that's what they did was develop film. But if you know anything about how film was developed, the key to properly developing the film was that it first had to be taken where? into a dark room. Isn't that right? They were just like red lights in there. And they took it in this dark room and there were certain chemicals that had to be added to, uh, to put this, 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 these negatives through. There were certain steps that had to be taken. And it was only after that process that the film then could be exposed to light. But the thing was this, that before the beauty of those photographs, before the beauty of those prints could be exposed, the, the film had to spend some time in the dark room. Are you with me? There wasn't any beautiful pictures. There wasn't any development until first that film spent some time in the dark room. And just as it, as it was in that little illustration there, I, I, you know, it, it's that way with us because there are times in our life that we all find ourselves in the dark room. That's where David was here when he was in the cave. He was going through a kind of a dark experience and it's in those dark times God uses. And we all go there. We all have those times. Do you agree with that? We all go there. Now, we're not to live there, but we do have to go there. And it's, so it's, it's in those, those times of our life when we find ourselves in the dark room that God uses those times to develop us. He uses those times to bring the, something good out of our life. See, our faith, listen to me. How many's got faith tonight? If you're a child of God, you have faith. Everybody has a different measure of faith. Or we're all given the same measure, but our faith has to grow. It has to be developed. And our faith is kind of like that film. That faith has to be developed. And that faith develops. God uses the dark room many times or the dark situations in life to develop 
our faith. Your faith, if you are a child of God and have faith tonight, your faith will not grow or develop unless that faith is tested. There has to be the testing and the trying of our faith. And uh, so in order for faith to develop and for faith to grow, it has to be tested. Someone said that, uh, that all faith is tested and great faith is greatly tested. So the more faith you, the more your faith develops and grows, the more that your faith is going to be tested. Can I get an amen? amen. So, you know, Peter said, don't think it, he said, don't think that it's a strange thing when you go through fiery trials in life because it's the testing of your faith that, 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 that works patience in your life. And so that, that faith, our faith, like that film, is developed in the dark. And in Psalm 142 here, David is in the dark room. And he's, he's there in the cave of Adullam. And he's facing, David is, one of the darkest times and darkest periods in his life. Some theologians are not really sure which particular time this was, if it's when he was running from Saul or fleeing from Absalom. I believe that it was probably when he was running from Saul, but it doesn't matter. We do know that this psalm was penned when he was in a dark time and in a dark hour of his life and when he was in the cave. And so David, in this situation that he's in, in this cave, David is in a place of discouragement. Can you say discouragement? Anybody ever been discouraged? I'm probably the only one that's ever faced discouragement. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. But David, I mean, here was the David, a man after God's own heart. He's, he's in a place of discouragement. And David's in a place where his security and his shelter and his self-respect are all gone. And in this psalm, we see David's reaction to the situation that he's in. And in this psalm, we see how David coped and how he dealt with this dark time in his life. So Psalm 142 actually tells us exactly, David's showing us here and giving us an example and an illustration on how you and I are to behave when we're in the cave. He's showing us, we can learn from this, how we are to deal with those situations when we're facing those dark times and when discouragement comes our way. And I, you know, I don't want to be... Uh, uh, I don't want you know. I don't want to. I don't want to get anybody on you know on a on a bummer tonight. Thinking, well, you know, it's all doom and gloom because it's not. But the fact is, we will all be discouraged. Discouragement is something that we have to learn to overcome in our life on a regular basis because the enemy is always coming against us with discouragement. But there are there is victory for discouragement in the life of the believer. Amen. So discouraged people, listen. Here's why this, this message is so important and why I want you to listen. Pay attention tonight because, because discouraged, listen, discouraged people are everywhere. They're not just scattered here and there. Discouraged people are everywhere and everyone experiences dark times in their life. 
And all around us, there are discouraged people that are facing situations in their life, and there may be some here in this service tonight that are facing situations and circumstances in their life where they just do not know what to do, and they don't know where to turn. Their world is literally collapsing around them. Their foundations are being destroyed, and they're just at their wit in and don't know what to do. People everywhere are facing that tonight in the world but also in the church. This isn't something that just affects people that are unsaved. What I'm talking to you about tonight affects the saint as well as the sinner. Amen. The, the Christian is not exempt from facing these cave experiences and the Christian is not exempt from discouragement coming our way. And, and here's something that that I want you to, to get a hold of tonight and understand a little bit about discouragement. And, that is, and, and the reason that it's so important that we know how to overcome our discouraging situations is because discouragement is involved. Are you listening? Discouragement is involved in every failure of life. Anytime someone fails in their life, they fail they quit, they throw in the towel, they give up because they got discouraged. You think about that. Every, every failure involves discouragement. It may, it, it, it'll always start in that realm. And if that discouragement has not, is not overcome, if that discouragement's not defeated, then it will defeat us. Because discouragement, listen, of all the tools that the enemy has to use, this one that I'm talking to you about tonight is his chief tool, is this tool of discouragement. I, I've told you before the, the little legend, it was a legend, and I don't know where I read this, I read it years ago, but uh, a, a legend of how that Satan one time had an auction and I've told it before, but he was auctioning off all his choice tools. And the auctioneer was there, and they were auctioning, Satan was auctioning off uh, pride, and he was auctioning arrogance, and he was auctioning jealousy, and he was auctioning, uh, auctioning off all these various things that he would use to bring against people. And... Um, over on the little table to the side, there was a table with one tool on it with a big sign on that tool that said, Not for Sale. And someone asked, why, why, how come you won't sell that tool? What's so special about that tool? And Satan told him, said, that tool is my most precious tool. Because he said, with that tool, I can pry open the heart of an individual and I can get inside their heart and get inside their mind and I can defeat anybody with that one tool. So I'll never give up that tool. And that tool is discouragement. That is the chief tool, that is the most, most used tool that Satan has today to use against people and to use against Christians and to bring against the child of God. Amen? Now when you, you, when you think about, when you think about discouragement, you think about it, it's not an easy, it's not something easy to define. 
Someone said, well, what is discouragement? I, I had someone send me a message the other day and wanted to know, asked me the question. Um, wanted to know if they could ask me some questions. I said, yeah, that's fine. And so they asked me the question, how does it feel when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, I, that's hard to answer. You know, I mean, I, that's just hard to answer. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 somebody said, well, don't you have the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I have the Holy Ghost. But that's just hard. That's a hard question to answer. So when it comes to defining discouragement or talking about discouragement, it's, it's not an easy word to define. Someone said, well, let's see, discouragement is when you feel sort of down. Well, I guess that's true. You can feel down. Discouragement does cause you to feel down, doesn't it? Anybody ever talk about being, well, you're, you know, just being down in the dumps. I'm down in the dumps. And uh, it will cause you to feel down. Um, discouragement, someone else said as well, it's when you feel like quitting, when you feel like there's no use in going on, when you feel like giving up. And those are all, yeah, those are all good, I guess, definitions for what discouragement is. But when you talk about and think about discouragement, discouragement has no form. It has no shape. No one can draw a picture. You, you can't sit there and I say, here, draw me a picture of discouragement. I guess you could draw a sad face. But, but you know, uh, you can't just draw a picture of discouragement. But still, even though it's hard for us to define, even though we can't see it, even though we, we can't, it's hard to describe it, still the fact is this, that discouragement affects every single one of us. Even though just as I have a hard time describing how it feels, how it feels to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's, 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 it's hard to describe exactly what discouragement is. But we all face discouragement. Amen? I hope I'm not discouraging you tonight. <laughs> but here, listen. Discouragement. Where does it, you know, where is it found? Discouragement is found right here in your mind. It's not, now again, you know, you, as soon as you start talking about mind, the mind and the thoughts, people say, well, that's Christian science and all that. No, no, no. Listen, you, you got to deal, listen, you, we've got to understand something as born again believers. We've got we to deal with our mind. You've got to do something with your thoughts. Are you listening to me? And so discouragement is something that, that does affect. It's found in the mind, and it affects your mind, and it affects your thoughts, and you've heard it before, and, and it's the truth that this is where the battleground is at. And that's why Paul said for us that to cast down imaginations and, and bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. We just can't allow our thoughts and our mind to run wild because the enemy is out there and those fiery darts of the wicked are those thoughts that he brings to our mind to try to bring you down and to discourage you. And let me tell you something. If we don't do something with those thoughts, we will never enjoy the victory and the peace God wants us to have, but we'll always live a, a discouraged and a defeated life. Come on, amen? amen? Hallelujah. It does matter what you sit around and think about. It does matter what you sit around and meditate on. Amen? amen. And so 
So, so we must understand that, that discouragement comes to the mind. It affects our mind. It affects our thoughts. And when it comes, it never comes for any good reason because discouragement is a negative. There's nothing at all positive about discouragement. It is a negative and it is a state of mind that a person can get in that is totally contrary to the Word of God and it's totally contrary to Christian life and Christian living. It will zap you of your joy. It will zap you of your peace. It will zap you of your victory. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. It's a state of mind that we, you and I, must always stand against and resist because it's it's the tool that Satan wants to use and will use to get you to give up. This is the one thing that this tool is designed to do is to get you to give up, to get you in that cave, to get you down and out, to get you in the dark room, to get you you in that place where you just want to throw in the towel and just give up and just chuck it all and say, what's the use? That's why discouragement has to be defeated and it has to be overcome and it cannot be allowed to have a rule and a reign in your heart and in your life and in your mind. Amen? It must always, always, always be resisted. Amen? It is something. Discouragement is something. Now, now I know here's where, here's where we'll get down to where the rubber meets the road because, because discouragement is something that we, you and I, are responsible for. You know, people don't want to be responsible for anything anymore. Well, I've got this and I just can't help it. But you and I are responsible for that situation. We either allow it and permit it Or we refuse it and resist it. Are you with me? I mean, that's any kind of temptation, yeah. But, but, uh, you know, we're free moral agents. We can allow things, we can yield to things, or we can stand against and we can resist. And the Bible says for us not to give place to the devil. Amen? So we can't let him have any place in our life. When you look at discouragement, you know, we talked about Elijah. Remember how Elijah got discouraged after a great victory? And he ran and got under that juniper tree and he said, Lord, I'm the only one left. Just take me. Uh, he said, it's enough. Those were the very words of Elijah. He said, I've had enough. I can't take it no more. Just take my life. And, and that was discouragement. That was, that was causing him to be that way. If you'll remember when Job was attacked, by Satan and Job lost everything and uh, you know he was trying to to hang on to his praise and remember his wife came to him and, and, and the words out of her mouth were words of discouragement because she said how can you retain your integrity in God after everything that he's allowed to happen to you why don't you just throw in the towel Job just curse God and die just give up God has let all this happen to us and, and those 
were words. Listen, those were words of discouragement. I know we've always been down on Job's wife and said, boy, you know, man, I tell you, look at her, how, what all she said. What, what would come out of your mouth maybe if you'd just lost 10 kids and if you'd just lost every, all your wealth and all your finances and everything that you had and held dear to your life is taken out in a moment of time? It would be a little bit discouraging. I think, I think, I think Job handled it pretty well when he got down and said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. I would hope I could do the very same thing. Amen. God put that in there, put Job in there to show you and to show me it can be done. Yes, yes. It can be done. But, she, but he said to her, you talk like a foolish woman. Well, it was, it, was, it was discouragement talking. Let me say this. Anytime that we let discouragement talk and go, listen, anytime you and I let discouragement go from here and come out here, we're talking foolish. Because we're always talking, well, I don't know, you know, God, uh, what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know if God going to help me or not. See, that's what the enemy wants, and that's where the enemy wants to bring you to. But, oh, praise God, praise God, there's victory today over discouragement through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be under its rule and under its reign. Amen? But it's something that you and I permit and allow or resist and refuse. We make that decision. Now Jesus, Jesus tells us um, in John 14, verse 1 and in verse 27, and we know those verses, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, you know. Well, what did Jesus say? He said, do not let your heart be troubled. What does that mean? Do not, he, you, 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 he's talking to you, he's talking to me. You is the implied subject there. He's saying you do not allow your heart to be troubled. Amen? Amen? And, and, and I, pr I preached a message on that one time, God's cure for heart trouble. And that's, 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 that's what happens. We have to take the initiative there and not. Now, now, in verse 27, he said, My peace, John 14, 27. Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. I give you my peace. Let, and again, he said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if he's telling you, he's telling me, do not allow your heart to be fretful, to be troubled, to be full of anxiety, to be full of worry. Now, here's the thing that I want to bring to you this evening is this. Would the Lord tell us, command us to do something that, that, that there's no possible way that we could do? Would, that, would he be just in doing that? Would he tell us, you know what, would you tell your child to do something you know they were not capable of doing and then they'd be in trouble if they didn't do it? No. If you, if the Lord tells us, y'all are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. If the Lord, 
If the Lord tells us to do something, we have the ability to do that. So when he tells us, you know, he tells us over, Jesus said in John 6, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, he told us not to be anxious, not to worry about anything, not to fret about what we'll eat or what we'll drink or all of that. Isn't that right? Why would he tell us to do those things if we didn't have the ability to do it? Yeah, listen, he gives us the grace and he gives us, there's a way to behave in the cave where you don't have to allow discouragement and trouble and anxiety and care and worry and fear just 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 tear you apart it doesn't have to be that way Jesus has promised us hallelujah that we can have victory over that and we can come out of the cave if we know how to act and how to behave in those situations, those times turn in to a development of our Christian life. If we throw in the towel and quit, amen, and fail the test, then we got to start, go back and do it all over again. I want to pass it on the first go if I can. Praise the Lord. Amen. So over and over and over in the Scripture, the Lord tells us, and I, I, just, I just took my, uh, you know, just the um, study tools today, the treasury scripture knowledge, and just ran some references of how many times in the scripture that the Lord tells us not to uh, fear, not to worry, not to doubt. How many times the Lord tells us over and over, and it was just too many of them, too many times. It would be a good study, I think, for you to do, for everybody to do. But over and over and over he tells us, be of good courage, be strong and very courageous. How many times did he tell Joshua that in Joshua chapter 1? Amen. Be strong, be courageous, be of good cheer. Amen. Over and over he said, be of good cheer. Well, if he's telling us to do that, then he will give us the ability ability and the grace to do that. We just have to step out and do it. And we got to say no to the devil and no to discouragement and no to all those thoughts and get in the Word of God. Amen. As Sister Michelle said tonight, get into the Word of God and let the Word of God permeate our mind. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Anybody here, any of y'all make pickles? Huh? Homemade pickles or anything? I wasn't going to ask you for any. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you know what? You know hey, what I'm talking about? You take those cucumbers and, and, and you put them in that, in that brine, and, 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 and that brine just, it, it pick, they, they get pickled. Amen. See that? Listen, listen. They marinate in that brine till that brine gets all through them. That's the way we need to be with the Bible. That's the way we need to be with the Word of God. That's the way we, we need to soak in His Word and meditate in his word day and night till it's all through us and in us and our mind is just our thoughts are just permeated with the word of God so when the when those discouraging thoughts come that immediately immediately with, without even having to think I mean just our second nature is boom the word of God comes up in our mind to counteract the discouraging things that the devil brings to our mind Woo! praise God Bible study night. Amen. Amen? So we must guard our heart and we must guard our mind. 
Amen? We, as believers, must decide what we're going to dwell on and what we're going to meditate on. God told Joshua when he told him to be uh, strong and to be of good courage and all that, he told him then in Joshua 1.8, he said that this word, he said, let this word uh, depart, don't depart from your eyes. He said, meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. So that's how you're going to be. It's just not automatic. There's something that we're required to do. Paul, Paul wrote to that church uh, in, Philippi, uh, in uh, Philippi, to the Philippian church. And listen, he said this in verse number 8. He said, finally, brethren, 4 and 8 of Philippians, whatever things, you know this verse. He said, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are virtue, and if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what's he telling us to do there? He's telling us to do something with our brain. He's telling us, as soon as you mention, soon, as soon as you mention that word, that term, that meditate in a, in a church setting uh, among Christians, immediately, you know, they start getting defensive because they, they're thinking about uh, Eastern mysticism and transcendental meditation and Buddhism and Hindus and, and all that, which all of those Eastern religions teach a type of meditation. But it's not the same meditation that the Bible teaches. In those Eastern religions, you meditate by by clearing your mind. They want you to empty your mind of everything so that it's open for anything. But in, in, in Christian meditation, we're not emptying our mind. We're filling our mind with the Word of Almighty God. Meditate in His Word day and night. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. He said, you got to think on these things. Meditate on these things. So it does matter. As far as discouragement goes, it does matter what you think about. Amen. Because, again, that's where the battleground is. All right? Now, that's my introduction. So... Don't, don't be, that's why I divided this up into several weeks. Because, but, but, but how then, what does David do here then? What does he do to, to, to come out of this cave situation? Because that may be where you're at tonight is in this cave. And, and so I just want to give you the first thing here tonight that he did. And it's very simple if you'll just apply it to your life. It's very, very simple. And it's found in verse 1 and 2. Let's go back to Psalm 142, if you will. Psalm 142 and verse number 1. He says this, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. What's David doing here in the cave? What's he doing in the dark room? 
He's praying, isn't he? He's, t- he's, having a, he's having a talk with the Lord. Amen. When he's in the cave and he's facing the dark time in his life, what does David, what's the very first thing he does? He turns to God and he prays. He turns to the only one that can help him and he begins to pour out his heart to the Lord. Amen. That's what he was doing. He said, he, he, he said I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. In Psalm 40, uh, 34 and 6, David said this, one of my favorite verses, he said, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. See what David's doing here, he's uncovering himself before God. He's not trying to hide anything before God, but he's pouring out before him and declaring before him everything that he that's in his heart, what he's going through what he's facing, what he's dealing with. Amen. You know, we want to sit down and tell other people our troubles a lot. Are you with me? And, 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 and that's good a lot of times to have somebody just to listen. But can I tell you, nobody can help you like Jesus can help you. Nobody. Come on. Amen. It is. It's good to have somebody to talk to and and somebody that will listen to you. And sometimes we just have to talk to somebody that will hear us. But but praise God, they can all, that that friend or that family member can only do so much. But oh, there's one that you can go to tonight. There's one that you can talk to tonight. There's one that you can pour out your heart and your soul. And his ear is always open to hear. He's always there for you. He never has any office hours. You can call on him any any hour of the day or any hour of the night. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about Jesus. He will hear your heart's cry. See, David is is at the point that he's got to tell somebody what he's facing. He's got to tell somebody what he's going through. And nobody listens like Jesus listens. Nobody listens like Jesus listens. So we can pour out our heart to the Lord. I I love what the songwriter said in the old hymn that says this. He said, I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Come on, amen. Woo, hallelujah. I was just reading the other day where where John the Baptist was was beheaded by Herod and the Bible said that his disciples came when, when, when John was killed and it said that they came and they took his body and they buried it and they went and told Jesus. They went and told Jesus. He'll always be there to listen to you. Amen. So prayer is what David did first. He took it to the Lord in prayer. He's confused, he's bewildered, he feels betrayed, he's been unjustly mistreated. Anybody ever felt that way? We all have, haven't we? 
We all have. He's in that cave. His spirit is overwhelmed. He's in the dark and he's discouraged. But what does he do? He cries out to the Lord and makes his supplication to the Lord. See, listen, David didn't know the hows. David didn't know the whys. David doesn't know and didn't know what was lying ahead of him and he had no idea what was around the next bend. But what David did do was David prayed this thing through and he tells the Lord he said listen he said when my spirit was overwhelmed within me he said then you knew my path and you knew the way in which I walk see what was he doing here notice that let me read that to you again He said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way which I walked. See, what David was doing was he was acknowledging this fact that he doesn't know the way, but his God does. He doesn't know what to do or which way to turn. But he said, I know, God, that you knew my path and the way that I walked. Job expressed the same thing in Job 23 and 10 when he said, For he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Let me tell you something, saints. You may be in a cave tonight, but you can come through that thing. You may be going through a test tonight, but you don't have to give up in that. Amen? There's a way. If you'll take it to God in prayer, if you'll behave in the cave the way you're supposed to behave, praise God, God will turn that situation around because He knows what's ahead. He knows the path you're on. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing and He's got the answer to your problem no matter what it may be. Amen. Hallelujah. He knows He can't make it on His own, but He does know that God knows the way and God will see Him through. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So that's the first thing. And that's all I'm going to talk to you about tonight. We've laid the foundation about the cave, the, the problem with discouragement, how that we all face it. We go through the dark times. It's in that dark dark room that God's working to develop you. The, 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 the enemy wants you to quit in that dark time, but God wants you to hold on to your faith so he can develop you. And the first thing in behaving right in the darkness and in the cave, the first thing is take it to the Lord in prayer and pour out your heart to him and let him know all of your trouble. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Oh, when you feel a little prayer wheel turning, then you'll know a little fire is burning and you'll find a little talk with Jesus will make Make it right. Hallelujah. Woo. Stand with me tonight. Sister Sandy and our singers, if you'll come to the platform. Praise God. Amen. I just went ahead and preached myself happy tonight. Praise God.